0: I am excited about being able to speak to you tonight. Let's take our Bibles, and I'd like for you to put a marker in Acts chapter 16, a marker in Acts 16, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. No, we're not going to go to Hebrews 11. For those that are in Pastor Sunday school class, I've taught 20 Sundays out of Hebrews 11. We're not going to go there tonight, all right? We're going to go, I'm just, you're going to find out I do know a couple of other portions of Scripture. All right, we're going to read beginning in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and we'll start with verse number one. The Bible says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the church of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, uh, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, uh, them will I send to bring your liberty unto Jerusalem. He's talking about the, the offerings they were taken to send to the saints in Jerusalem that were having great difficulty. And he says in verse number four, and if it, uh, if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you Uh, When I pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, it may be that I will abide yea and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door, ineffectual, effectual, is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries." Now, if Timotheus come and see, uh, come, see that he be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me for I look uh, for him with the brethren as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desire him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. We're going to take our text from verse number 9. For for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get right into the message for tonight. Father, thank you that we can come to church in the middle of a week that... Uh, We can lay aside all the cares of the world and we can for a little while set aside all of the the frustrations we have and the worry about finances and the worry about our jobs. And for a little while we can gather around your word and we can study it. We can have you speak to us. Thank you for the songs that we sang and the reminders of what our task should be as believers and as a church. I pray you'd help us now during this time. May we uh, hear from you. I pray you would speak first of all to me as you have in the study, but then I pray you'll speak through me. I pray that each of us would have attentive ears to the things of God tonight. And I pray that we would learn some things, be motivated and challenged to do something for you that maybe we had not considered before. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is addressing a church that he had started. And uh, he, was, he was giving them some of uh, some greetings as you go through the book. Of course, those of you who know your Bible know that uh, the church at Corinth was a troubled church. It was a very carnal church, uh, meaning they were still worldly. Over and over again, he talks about that they were still, they were babes in Christ. They had not matured to the point that they should have as believers. And uh, when he writes this letter, 1 Corinthians is written at about the time Paul's at the end of the three years that he was at Ephesus. When Paul started the church at Ephesus in, in Acts 20, he, he stayed at that church, or as we find out in Acts 20, uh, he stayed at that church for approximately three years in teaching and preaching, and he had left Timothy there to be the pastor, and, and then he went on his missionary journey. He's, he's writing here, and in verse, uh, chapter 16, he mentions the offering that they were going to take, and, and notice the offering was on the first day of the week. Aren't you glad we have a Sunday morning every week that we can come to church? Amen. Every week we celebrate resurrection. That's why we don't worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday. Praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and he's mentioning that. He said, just make the collection every week. And that way when I come, we don't have to make up for it. And uh, he talks some, some things about that. But then he mentions to them that he was going to tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. He said, for a great door and a is open unto me. And there are many adversaries. Paul had spent a lot of time at the place where he was, but that was transitioning. He was getting ready to leave Ephesus and, and begin to go back through Macedonia. Of course, that would have been going by Philippi and some of those places. And while the time of his ministry at Ephesus was coming to an end, his life of ministry was not. Paul was had much more that he was going to do for God. He had, he had finished his second missionary journey, he's getting ready to do his third. And he says, there's a great door, an effectual open unto me. When we look at that in the Bible. Many times when you see the word door, and specifically in this location, it means opportunities to serve the Lord. You know, as believers, many times we're, we're in a time of our life where we're looking for and trying to decide what does God have for me next. Sometimes it's a job situation. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the, min- in the message. Sometimes you're working a job and and God throws an opportunity in front of you. What do you do about that? Uh, In ministry, maybe you've been in church uh, for, for a while and you've been serving in a certain way and then God shows you something else. In the same church, an opportunity where you could serve. You know, as believers, we have opportunities to do many, many different things. Your destiny in life is determined by the choices that you make. Uh, I heard this one said in a, in a church service one time, and they were actually saying it in jest, but I've been thinking about it all week, and it's true. Uh, he said this, wherever you end up in life, that's where you'll be. We laugh at that, but you know what I found out most of us do? We do exactly what we want to do. We decide what we, we do and we want to do, and then we, we figure out a way to make it happen. Uh, I won't get real personal, but I know there's some guys in this room that decided they wanted to go hunting, and they figured out a way to get the days off of work. Sometimes you have to use sick days. So you can't go go hunting when you're sick. Well, you can if you're sick of work. You just got to know how to use those sick days, amen? I guess it's politically correct to call them um, personal days. now. But anyway, uh, open doors, opportunities. Look again at verse number 9. Paul says, for a great door, and effectual, is opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. When I think about open doors, if you want to take your Bibles, go to to Romans chapter 1. I didn't have you put a marker there. We're just going to read one verse there. And I was going to read it for you, but I'll have you look at it. Romans chapter 1. Notice what Paul says here in Romans 1 and verse number 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel unto you. That are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Here we see that, that Paul, again talking about open doors, he says, I am ready to preach to you in Rome. The first thought is this we as believers and as a church collectively need to be ready for the open door. Ready for the open door. Uh, what does that mean? Be ready for those opportunities. Uh, I traveled with evangelist Joe Boyd, uh, one of the most amazing men of God I've ever known. He was an evangelist for 65 years and uh, preached till he was 91. And when I traveled with him uh, during the summer, he had a training school for evangelists. And the way you trained, you got in the motorhome with him and went on the road, went to revival meetings. And he'd teach you from uh, 9 o'clock till noon, Monday through Friday and uh, and then uh, he would ha- we'd have lunch and then at one o'clock we'd go soul winning and we'd go soul winning to about five and then we'd come back to the church and get buses and vans and go pick up our converts and bring them to church and have a revival meeting and and he'd preach and some of us would run children's services and and afterwards we'd have a teen service and and uh, and you just never knew what he was going to do when you traveled with him he'd have you preaching on the street he'd he'd get up to preach And he'd sometimes, he'd he'd just call you out by name. He'd say, Brother Doug, come here. And he'd point to a verse in his Bible and said, see that verse? Preach on it. Okay. I learned you don't tell Joe Boyd no. Uh, One day I was sitting with him with a bunch of preach boys and we were in a a Wendy's restaurant Sunday afternoon. And he looks at me and he said, Brother Doug, when you're finished eating that hamburger, I want you to stand up and preach. What? I nearly choked on that thing. He said, yeah, I want you to preach. I sit here in the Wendy's? He said, Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of it, but you don't tell Joe Boyd, no. And so I said, we can't have a preaching service. He said, why not? I said, because we haven't had a song service. So he turns to our solos, Brother Rick, you're going to sing, then Doug's going to preach. Now Rick's mad at me. Rick got up and sang. I got up and preached. said, what happened? Manager came out, tried to stop us. Dr. Borders, about 6'5", had the biggest hands I've ever seen. He just put his hands on the shoulder of that, that manager and said, he'll be done in a few minutes. And the manager said, okay, and went back to the office. I mean, he had just left us alone, amen, be ready to preach. And uh, I've had to do that on so many, uh, so many different times. And uh, I learned what this verse means, to be ready to preach the gospel. We ought to be ready for any opportunity God puts in front of us. I learned back then uh, that, that if God had called me to preach, I need to be ready to preach. I've been an assistant pastor in other churches and and uh, there were many times that, that uh, at the, just at the drop of the hat, the pastor maybe would call me just before church, preach, you know, he'd say, brother, like, I'm not feeling well. I need you to preach tonight. Uh, one Sunday morning, I was leading the singing. I know that surprises some of you, but I did. I led the singing in a church in Aurora, Colorado. We had helped to start that church. and uh, My friend Billy Croker was a pastor, and I was sitting on the front row. I just led the singing, and he got up to preach, and was about 10 minutes into his sermon, and he, all of a sudden, he grabbed his handkerchief. He said, Doug, come here. And did that. Well, I got to. By the time I got to the pulpit, there was blood dripping out of his handkerchief. He had a bloody nose. He pointed to his notes. He said, "I'm right there. Finish it." And he walked out. I told Rhonda afterwards, I was so glad I was paying attention in church. You ever been in church where you're sitting there and you're, you're you're you know you're awake, but you don't really know what's going on? You don't need to say Amen right there. I was glad I was awake. Be ready to preach you ready for that open door. I, I taught for seven years. I taught the homiletics class. That's the class teaching men how to preach. I never took that class as a preacher in college. Uh, I did a lot of years in college, but never took that class. I have taught it for seven times. But anyway, one of my students uh, that was that was in our class uh, at the Bible Institute was our school administrator. He was a retired uh, Marine, uh, 26 years in the Marine Corps, was a master gunnery sergeant. And he was in our Bible Institute trying to get his his uh, his Bible uh, Institute diploma, and he got him a homiletics class. And I was teaching the guys, you need to be ready to preach. I told them the stories you just told him. And then I looked for opportunities to put them on the spot. And uh, we were coming up on Easter, just like we are right now. It was the week of Easter. And uh, what we would do in our big days, uh, we would do a big promotion for Easter. We'd print thousands of tracts. We'd get the church out on soul winning bustles. We'd go out every night for two weeks, other than the nights we were having church. And we'd just pass out tracts, knock on doors, invite everybody to church. And uh, on the way back from one of those, we were in El Cajon, California, and on our way back to the church in, in Lemon Grove, and uh, after we'd get all the soul winners back on the bus, everybody would tell their testimonies of who got saved. And when the testimonies got real quiet. I noticed we had about 10 or 15 minutes to get back to the church. I looked back at Brother Champagne. I saw him there. That was our school administrator. I said, oh, this is a perfect opportunity. I said, Brother Champagne, got your Bible with you? I said, he said, yeah. I said, good. Bring it. Come up here. He came up. I said, okay, you got 10 minutes. Preach. He just looked at me. He said, well, I wasn't ready for that. I said, no, it's time. I'm your, I'm your homiletics teacher. It's time. You're being graded. Go. Okay. And he's looking for a verse, you know, and he found out I was serious. Amen. Be ready. Take your Bibles, go to Revelation chapter three. <clears throat> I tell those stories just to kind of get you thinking. What is it? that you'd be ready to do if pastor came to you on Sunday? I mean, if one of you in this room, if maybe a pastor came to you before a church and said, hey, we just had one of our Sunday school teachers was here, but they got sick and had to leave, can you take their class? Would you be able to handle that? Be ready for the open door. Uh, look at Revelation chapter 3, verse number 7. And to the angel of the church in in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy... He that is true and he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door and no man can shut it for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. He says, I have put before you an open door. Every one of us need to be ready for the open door. Let me specifically give you some open doors to be looking for. Open doors for witnessing there's too many times we get this idea that soul winning is a, is just an activity but it's more than that and i believe in scheduled soul winning times you know why most of us need a scheduled soul winning time because we don't have enough character to do it on our own that's why your boss makes you clock in on a clock when you get to work amen Why? because he knows if he doesn't check on when you show up and when you leave uh we by nature would be lazy and cheating on some hours as a soul winner, we ought, to, we ought to be looking for those scheduled times. We also ought to be looking for opportunities. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. We ought to be ready for an open door of witnessing. It might be you're at work tomorrow, and one of your coworkers heard something on the news. And would ask you a question that leads right into a Bible conversation. Are you ready for that conversation? Uh, If somebody came to you and and said, hey, uh, I had had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my door last night. And I I didn't know what to say to him. Could you tell him what to say? I've heard fellows say, well, I don't want to go, you know, I don't want to dress in a, in a shirt and a tie when I go, so many people think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. That's just a testimony against us. Amen? It goes right there. Jehovah's Witnesses ought to be intimidated that people would think they're Independent Baptists knocking on their door, because we did it long before they did. It's time to take the streets back. Amen? There's nothing like grabbing a pile of tracks in a street and just knocking on every door. Amen? Amen. Uh, I like giving a quiz. I won't do it tonight, but I like asking people, are you carrying your TNT? I'm not talking about explosive. Well, it is. I'm talking about a tract in a New Testament. How many of you believe sinners need to be saved? You believe that? How many of you believe that God left us here on earth to give them the gospel? Well, now let me ask you this question Are you ready for that open door of witnessing? If you're not carrying tracts, not carrying the New Testament, and you you don't know how to present the gospel to somebody, you're not ready for that open door. The Bible says in Colossians 4 and verse 3, as Paul was writing to that church, he said, With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, which I'm also in bonds. I want to be looking for divine appointments to give people the gospel. It's amazing how many times we end up leading somebody to the Lord that wasn't in the scheduled time. Do you ever notice Jesus did not tell the disciples, meet me under the oak tree at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, we'll go soul winning. He didn't do that. He'd walk along the road and look down, there's blind Bartimaeus. Disciples said, leave the master alone. Jesus said, no, bring him here. What do you need from me? Amen. He goes under a tree. Zacchaeus, come down, I'm going to your house today. Jesus just looked for sinners everywhere. The difference is not just going soul winning, but being a soul winner. Dr. Boyd, I mentioned him. He's the best personal soul winner I've ever been around. He's so convicting. He's in heaven now. But every time I went with him somewhere, I'd drive him somewhere. And I often would drive him to the airport and we'd stop to get gas and we'd be pumping the car up with gas and I'd turn around and I couldn't find him. Well, that old man, he's wandered off. Where'd he go? And you'd find him over next to a a dumpster somewhere, over at one of the other pumps. He'd have his Bible out and he'd be talking to somebody with the gospel. I watched, I took him to the doctor's office one time and watched him lead his doctor to the Lord while he was looking for divine appointments. Are you ready for the open door of witnessing? Next of all, open doors of ministry. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. You know, when God saved you and, and you got baptized and you joined this church, it means he placed you here, First Corinthians says, as it pleases him. And he gave to you spiritual gifts. You know what those spiritual gifts are for? The local church. That's why God gave you the ability to speak to people. That's why He gave you the ability to sing. If you can sing, if you play an instrument, that's for here. Amen. That job you have is not just to pay your bills. I, I like what Oliver B. Grayton used to say. He said, Your employment is to pay for your soul winning. So you, you make money so you can support your local church and so you can do whatever you do for God. Amen. Let me ask you a question. What are you looking for, for God to use you in? Are you looking for an opportunity? When I was in San Diego, uh, before I was on staff at the church at Lighthouse, I was, I was praying for God to open the door of ministry for me. I'd, I'd been pastoring, and we moved out there, and, and I ended up going on staff there. I was teaching in the institute, uh, but I wasn't being paid to do that. I was working a secular job, and, and uh, I remember praying, God, you know, just, would you give me a ministry? Open some doors. One time I was teaching an adult Sunday school class, and I, made, I gave a, uh, an illustration. Some of you have heard it. Uh, where on, on, on uh, Saturday afternoons, when I was a teenager, my pastor would invite all of us young preachers to his house on Saturday afternoon when we were done soul winning. We'd go to his house, we were done with our bus route, and we'd sit in his living room, and he'd take his Bible and sit back there in the recliner and teach us the Bible and teach us about ministry. Now, I can't sit in a recliner and do that because once I pull that lever, and, you know, the feet come out. It's over. You might as well shut the lights off. It's over. Amen. But Brother Duff would sit back there, and he would teach us the Bible. I would tell that story. And I'd, I'd say, guys, that, I learned more ministry in his living room than I did all my Bible college years put together. And that's a true statement. Well, I made that illustration, and guys started coming to me at the church there in, in, in San Diego and said, Brother Bramberg, when are you going to start that Saturday thing? So what Saturday thing? Well, that thing that your pastor did. I'm not going to do that. I'd just tell you what he did. Then I'd go back to praying, God, would you give me a ministry? I want to influence people. The next week, somebody asked me, Brother Brandenburg, when are you going to start that Saturday class? I'm going to start a class on Saturday. And after about a month of that, and I'm sitting there praying. I mean, I remember I was, I was just praying in my, in my bedroom. and God, would you give me a ministry? And God, the Holy Spirit very clearly spoke to my heart. said, I'm trying to, but you won't listen. Like, what are you talking about? The Saturday thing. No, 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 no. That's not what I had in mind. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. So we started a class on Saturday afternoons. I made it real hard to come. You had to fill out an application. I needed to make sure you were serious about serving God. It was a four-page application, Brother Randy. They had to fill out. I didn't want them to come. We ended up having 30 to 35 people in our living room every Saturday afternoon. And I'd be teaching them, and Rhonda and the girls would be in the kitchen cooking for a big meal we were going to have. So they're drooling while I'm teaching, because you can smell the stuff, amen? It was torture, that's what it was. It's an amazing thing. We began to do that. We did it for many, many years. I still get phone calls from people in ministry who came to that class that God changed their heart. And God did something they've not gotten over. It was an open door of ministry. I wonder if God called you to do something for him. Are you ready for the open door? I can't tell you how many men I've seen that God's called them to ministry. He's called, I'm talking full-time service as a pastor, an evangelist. He's called them to go to Bible college or, or whatever. And I've seen them not go because they had too many things in their life that kept them from going. What I do mean? I'm talking about debt. I know young men go to Bible college and rack up a bunch of debt. And when they get out of Bible college, they have to work multiple jobs to pay off their bills. And they don't do what God's laying out for them because they weren't ready for the open door. What is it in your life that's keeping you from going through an open door for God? You know, pastor's mentioned to us as a church that we're, we're praying about what's next as far as facilities go. Uh, if you're here on Sunday mornings, this building's pretty full. On Sunday mornings, the, the, the parking lot's pretty full. And uh, I'm worried about people parking in the grass here pretty soon, amen? And, uh, and, and that's a good problem to have. Uh, we, we, the desire is to put the school and the church together in one location. But what if that opened up tomorrow? That that property that pastor and the men have been looking at, it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some extra offerings. It's going to take some great commitment to go into a loan to buy that. That's a, that could be an open door. But a church must be ready for the open door. Uh, that's why I'm so thankful that the, the men here, they're very careful with the money so that we're in good shape financially. Amen? What is that? That's getting ready for an open door. Just as a, as a thought... Remove anything from your life that will prevent you from going through an open door for God. In other words, don't be, get too attached to things. Quickly, let's go back to First Corinthians 16 and verse number 9 again. Look at uh, our text. Where Paul says, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me there are many adversaries. Paul had told them, I want to come see you. I'm planning on coming. I may come now. It may be a little bit later, but I'm going to come. He said, but there's a great door open and effectual. What was that? It was an opportunity for effectiveness. You know what ministry is? It's the opportunity to influence someone. That's what ministry is. It might be one-on-one soul winning. It might be you teaching a Sunday school class. Some of the Christians that have affected me most in my Christian life have been been Sunday school teachers from when I was a child and a teenager. Who is it you're influencing? Do you you have an open door of effectiveness for God? He said there's a great door in effectual and it's open unto me. We ought to be ready for the open door, but we ought to recognize the open door. By that I mean, <clears throat> we need to be careful about opportunities that offer a position, but not potential. I've seen guys in their jobs. Uh, they're making a certain amount of money, they're in a particular place, and and, and they're on the track to, to be promoted. And they're offered another job that that gives them a better title and maybe a little bit more money but there's no potential there you're not going any farther you know what i'm talking about well that normally is not a good career move to leave a place with potential to go to one that has no potential it might be more money in the bank today but five years from now it won't be as good as if you stayed where you were i've seen guys do that in in, in ministry where they were looking for a position. The first church I pastored was in southern Ohio. The pastor was there, had started the church uh, in a little tiny town that's been very difficult to get a church going in. And our church used to run a bus route there. And and he had started a church, had been there for five years. During that five years, he worked a full-time job the whole time he was there. Could never get the church large enough and have enough money to pay him full-time. He got a call one day from a preacher friend of his from several miles away, after about 50 or 60 miles away, and invited him to come be his assistant pastor. It was a full-time position. Money was decent. He said, man, I'm going to do it. And he jumped over there, and, and I ended up becoming pastor of the church that he had pastored. It's a long story. He went to the new church. It's a good church. But he didn't mesh with the pastor he was only there six months on staff. He had left to where he was with tremendous potential and went to an opportunity that he thought, well, I'm going to pay my bills for now. I don't have to work the other job. It ended up not being a thing that he could do for long-term in the ministry. amazing thing is, after I pastored that church, uh, when I left that church, he came back and pastored the church he'd originally started and got a second shot at it, pastored it for about the next 25 years, Hey, Amen. But I wonder, for you in your ministry, are you in your personal life? Are you, are you ready for an open door? Do you recognize an open door? I remember when I was on the staff at Lighthouse I, uh, there in San Diego, I was running the Bible Institute. I was teaching three or four classes per semester. Uh, I taught a large adult Sunday school class. I ran the outreach ministries, and I was busy. And during that time, I was contacted by a church that was looking for a pastor. I preached for them a few times. and The church was running about 25 or 30, and they all hated each other because they were fighting constantly. And they were talking to me about coming to pastor their church. And I remember praying about it, and I'm thinking, like, okay, I can go be the pastor. And then I got to thinking, wait a minute, I'm already influencing more people in my Sunday school class than are in that church. We have twice as many people in our Bible Institute. And I'm a staff of a very large church influencing a lot of people. Yeah, the title's better, but the potential's not. If an open door does not increase your potential and that you have for serving God and influencing people, I'm not saying it's not of God, but I'm saying be very, very careful about making that kind of a move. I'm talking about it as a church. I'm talking about it in, your, in your job. Take your Bibles. Go to Acts 16. I told you we'd get there. Acts 16. And the class will understand me saying this. You're going to have to listen quickly. That clock moves too fast back there. Amen. Acts 16. Look at verse number 6. This is Paul just starting out on his second missionary journey. He says in verse number 6 of Acts 16, and when they had gone through Phrygia and the regions of Galatia, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over unto Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Here in Acts 16, Paul had just left the church at Antioch on his second missionary journey. He and Barnabas had had a fight in chapter 15, and they went their separate ways. Barnabas wanted to take uh, John Mark with them the second time, and and Paul said, no, he's not coming, and they divided, and and Barnabas went one way, and and Paul chose Silas and went the other way. In the beginning of chapter 16, he gets Timothy uh, to go with him, and he begins to invest his life into Timothy. And He gets there to verse number 6, and you can see the desire of Paul to do something for God. Verse 6, it becomes very obvious that he wanted to go to Asia. He had preached in Galatia. He had preached in Phrygia. But they wanted to go to Asia. And God said no. You ever had God tell you no? I have. And uh, how many of you don't like it when God tells you no? My hand's up. I, I just don't like it. You, you think you're two-year-old doesn't like hearing no well it doesn't get any better as you get older amen they were it says they were forbidden of the holy ghost you know what a lot of believers would do right then okay i'm done i'm going home not paul look at the next verse and they and they would come to mysia and they essayed to go to bithynia okay i can't go to asia we'll go to bithynia and notice what the bible says and the spirit but the spirit suffered them not god said paul no but God, I want to do something. You sent me out on this missionary journey. I want to go to Asia. You said, no, let's go to Bithynia. You said no. Then in verse number nine, oh, I'm sorry, verse eight, and they passed by, Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. So God speaks to Paul. He said, here's where you need to go. You need to go to Macedonia. This is verse 10, and after that he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Notice this, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Paul and those with him wanted to do something for God. He was willing to risk his life for it. But God said to those two opportunities, no. Now he would eventually go back to Asia. Let me ask you, When was the last time you desired to do something for God? I don't understand people who can just sit in church and not do anything. That not serve the Lord. Because we're not saved to sit. We're saved to serve. Amen? That's what those spiritual gifts are all about. Paul said, I want to go. And God said, no. No. He, he, he said, i going to go there. No, but then God opened the door. It Notice again, verse number nine. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia. Well, Paul's right there. Paul gets the vision. He turns to those that have committed their lives to working with him. He says, this is what God said, and we, the Bible says, endeavored to go to Macedonia. assuredly gathering. That the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Several principles here. Number one, God gives the leader the spiritual vision. Those that are committed to that leader then need to get behind the vision, as preacher likes to say, make it successful. These guys, I'm talking about, uh, you have in this group, you have Paul, you have, uh, uh, you have Silas, who was picked in chapter 15. You have, have Timothy, who came with them in the first part of 16. But then when you find that when it says, then we, that's when Luke joined the team. He got a team of four. And they decided, that's what God wants, let us go do that. They saw an open door, they perceived that God was in it, and they went forward. By the way, only the Holy Ghost, only the Holy Spirit can tell you which open door is for you. You know, serving the Lord's not about what'll get me the, you know, the best position, what'll give me the, 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 the best exposure, what'll give me the best job. No. Serving God's not about that. So what does God have for me? Uh, there's a pastor that uh I've become friends with over on the other side of the state, over near Big Rapids, a little place called Morley. He's been there for over 25 years as a pastor. And you watch him in his church. And it's a little country church in the middle, just a wide spot in the road. Around about 140 over there. they run buses all over the place. He knows every little nook and cranny in the county. And it's obvious God planted him right there and enabled him for that place. Man, he's building a great work. Most people never know about him. But the Holy Spirit does because He led Him there. Amen? Amen. Let me ask you the question Are you ready for the open door? Will you recognize the open door? Look there in Acts 16. We'll look at verse number 10. I'll give you the last thought. And after He had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, verse 11, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Nepalus. They they were ready for the open door. They recognized the open door, but I love this one. They responded to the open door. What did they do? They went through it. Uh, Talks cheap. I hear a lot of people say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that one day. I like people to just do what God tells them to do. We don't have time to look at it, but if you'll write down the reference in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you have the story of the children of Israel fighting the Philistines. In verse number 1, Saul has the group there, and, and he has them sh- underneath the, the shade of the, 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 the fig trees in a place called Migrid. They're kind of resting, trying to figure out what to do in the battle. It wasn't going well for them. His son, Jonathan, was a, was a general. He was a leader of soldiers. And, and, and the Bible tells us in, in verses 4, 5, and 6 that he, he saw a group of, of, of Philistine soldiers up on this hill. And he turns to his armor bearer. And he says to him in verse number 6 of uh, 1 Samuel 14 and 6, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, come. And let us go over unto the garrison of those uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint for the Lord to save by many or by few. The Bible says he he climbed up between a rock on one side and a rock on the other. They literally climbed up between a rock and a hard place. He and his armor bearer to get to this battalion of soldiers. And he took them on. If you read the passage, it took a half an acre for the bodies to fall. That those two men fought. You know what that is? They saw an opportunity. So I think God's in it. Let's go. His armor bearer said, I'm with you. Later, all of Israel heard about it and rejoiced. Why? Somebody. Responded to the open door. Back in Acts 16, we won't turn there, but Paul, when he gets that, that message from God, and God says to him, I want you to go here. You can't go to Asia. You can't go to Bithynia, but I want you to go to Macedonia. You understand where Macedonia is? That's Philippi. He goes there in Acts 16. He ends up getting arrested, thrown in jail. The, 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 the keeper of the prison beats him and puts him in prison. And at midnight, there's, there, Paul and Silas, the Bible says, they prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. There was an earthquake, and, 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 and God knocked the prison walls down. All the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loosed. And The prison guard thought that they'd escaped and was about to kill himself. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. We we're all here. That's a miracle, by the way. Nobody escaped. In Acts 16, he comes and he falls down before Paul and Silas said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The jailer got saved. His wife got saved. All of the jailer kids got saved. You read the rest of the chapter, uh, and, and you'll find out that a church started in his house. That night, he took Paul and Silas to his house. He washed their stripes. They fed them. And the whole family was baptized. What does that mean? They all got saved. They were baptized. I want you to understand, the Macedonian call was a jail cell. and The Macedonian man was the jailer. Paul and Silas, rather than griping about the situation where God put them in prison after being beaten and looking like everything had gone wrong, they realized that God had opened the door and they went through the open door. When's the last time you recognized a door God put before you? That job you have right now might be the mission field where God's placed you. That that person that moved in next door that you don't like. Don't bow your head now. It's not time to pray. Just smile. We won't know it's you. That might be your mission field. Or is there a ministry that God's been touching your heart about? Preacher, maybe you've even mentioned, hey, we need some help here. And you're sitting in your pew knowing God said, you ever had God do that to you? He's done that to me many times, Preacher, preaching, you know, the Holy Spirit will come down the the aisle to where I'm at, he'll come across the pew and sit in my lap and just kind of look at me, just kind of thump me on the head, you know? Anybody ever been there? When was the last time you said, okay, I will respond to the open door? When Paul responded to that open door, Lydia got saved, they went to jail, there was an earthquake, a jailer got saved, the jailer family got saved, a church was started, and later on in Paul's life, when he writes to the church at Philippi in the book of Philippians chapter 4, he said that when they were out in Thessalonica, it was the church at Philippi, only them, that had sent him love offerings to help him in his ministry. He said, once and again, you've set to my necessity. What was that? That was a result of the open door. When we refuse to go through an open door, we forfeit the blessings that are on the other side of the door. When we don't recognize at work, God has given us an opportunity to witness to someone, and we don't, their eternity hangs in the balance. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this, are you ready for the open door? Are there some things you need to remove from your life to get you ready? Do you have some things that needed to be added to your life? Paul, writing to Timothy, he, he says that we're to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed of rightly dividing the word of truth. Those scriptures teaches us the Bible is what equips us for service. The more you know of his book, the more God can use you. You want to be used of God? Study your Bible and then live what you learn. Get involved in open opportunities at church. Uh, Are you ready for the open door? Do you recognize the open door? Let me ask you this. Are you even looking for something to do for God? You ought to be looking every day. God, what would you have me do today? I promise you, there's something God wants you to do every day for him. And many times we're so busy with what we've got to do, we don't even recognize the open door. I remember one time we were, I'll give this illustration one more point and we'll, then we'll leave. Or we'll go to prayer, excuse me. We were getting ready to go soul winning one time we were, I'd gotten my soul winning partner and we had all of our tracks and we had a street we were going to go to. I remember we walked out into our car and we heard this thump, 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 thump. We looked outside and there's this car limping into our driveway at the church with a flat tire. I'm like you. I didn't want to change a tire that day. I was wearing a suit, and I was like, I don't want to do that. But God said, go change the tire. So my buddy and I, we went over there, and we changed the tire for this family and ended up leading that husband and wife both to Christ. I'm like, man, this is awesome. They got saved, and, and uh, we got our, after they got their car off, you know, they got back on the road. We went to the car. We're getting ready to leave. Here comes another person, pulls into the driveway. I said, hey, do you know where such and such, and they asked for a business. And my, my friend walked to the door. He's the one that was talking to him. And uh, he said, no, I don't know where that's at, but I can tell you how to get to heaven. And begin to witness to him. Ends up leading that man to the Lord. By the time we were done, the, old, the other soul winners were coming back after, for, for after their soul winning visits. And, and, and they were all like, oh, man, we didn't talk to anybody tonight, man. How would your visits go? We never made them. Oh, really? Yeah, we never got out of the parking lot. <laughs> I like it. Well, you don't even have to drive for the soul winning opportunities. Amen. What were those? Those were open doors. But how many of us would have just called AAA for them? Instead of using that as an opportunity, an open door, and minister to those he's put before us. Are you ready for the open door? Do you recognize the open door? Will you respond to the open door? Let's not just sit wishing God would use us. Let's look for opportunities to be used. And then let's volunteer for them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this scripture. Thank you for the life of the Apostle Paul. A man that was just focused on burning out for you. That he used every bit of his life to serve you. So that when he came to the end of his life, he could say the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I finished my course. Kept the faith. May we... Be ready for open doors. May we get our hearts ready to minister to people. May we as a church be ready for opportunities you lay before us. May we recognize them. And may we then respond to that open door. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.